<laughs> you once wrote a 20 stanza song about all of your pet peeves. <laughs> That's... Yeah. Did I really do that? Yeah, you wrote a multi-stanza song about how triggered you were about... It was called The Things That Trigger Me. I don't even remember doing that. I kind of want to... It was pretty good. Find that. Yeah. Oh, I remember that now. (laughs) (laughs) How does your brain work? Hi, I'm Mark, and I once wrote a 20-stanza poem about the things that trigger me. On this episode, I'll be obsessing over vinyl records. My name is Julia. When I was little, I wanted to be named after a vegetable, and today we're going to be talking about intentionality. Hi, I'm a carrot. And I, <laughs> <laughs> when I was younger, I wanted to be named Julia. <laughs> um, that was a carrot exploding. <laughs> <laughs> it's desire. It's reach overextended its grasp. I'm Justin. Today, I sneezed a black bean out of my nose. And in today's episode, I'm doing Mad Libs that Lisette forgot to do at her wedding. <laughs> You were like 95% there. Perfect and 95% are very different. I'm getting mixed messages from mom and dad. (laughs) Why are you crawling under the table like an animal? Okay, I forgot to hit record, so we're doing this again. Um, all right, so uh, a little back history. Don't go all the way back. <laughs> That's exactly what you should do. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, so that wasn't a serious thing because it was very. It sounded very serious. No, oh, no it was it, a Conan. It, quote. It's a Conan quote. Okay. <laughs> Conan O'Brien is a comedian. Okay. You must know this. So <laughs> don't go all the way back. Okay. When Conan O'Brien was born. <laughs> Actually, funny story, he and I share a birthday. So. Oh, that's right. Talk about how cool this is. Can I open it? Sure. Can I rip it a little? Yep. I don't know if I've ever looked at a record on the inside. Really? So this is this is exactly why I want to talk about this. So It's hitting me now that this is one work of art. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, I, okay. no, I think he's no, being serious. I'm being, a little, I'm being serious, oh. <laughs> but it sounded like a joke. Because... <laughs> <laughs> like I've never looked, I've never taken in the cover art as part of the experience of handling it, like the dust jacket of a book or something. Is uh, okay. This is new. you're bringing this it is, back. I'm so proud of this you. This is new to me. This okay, is very so cool. so I'm I'm not gonna go all the way back, but I'll just brief brief history. This is not a recent hobby of mine. I've been listening to records for almost a decade at this point, and uh, my turntable uh, not so recently broke right in the midst of a move, and as a result, by the time I was able to get the needle fixed and the wiring redone and moved into the new place and hooked up to the new thing, by by that time it had been over a year since I had last listened to a record. So when I finally did, it kind of reignited all these, um, all the reasons why I love it. So that's why it's currently something that I'm very obsessed with. Um, A lot of people collect records for, you know, an Probably the main two reasons are, are just because they like collecting and they like seeing their collection grow, or because they think that the sound quality of vinyl records is superior. Um, 
not only do I not necessarily believe that, but it has nothing to do, the sound of it has, has nothing to do with why I, I collect records. So the reason I collect them is because I think they are the most uh, complete representation of all the elements that an artist puts into the single work called the album. I think as a medium, it, I, I think it is the, the medium that contains the most elements of that uh, at, at once. So if I do want to experience an album in its most genuine format, I think that I think that a record is is the best way to do it, and 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 this kind of comes from this idea that that I do that albums are single pieces of work. Uh, so, in in the music industry and in society, we've kind of moved moved away from this idea of an album being a, a single piece of work. A few reasons why they kind of moved away from that. Uh, one of them is just, I mean, the bottom line is almost always money. But as far as the radio is concerned, when that when that medium came out, they couldn't. They couldn't feasibly just play an entire album over the radio and maintain people's interest. So, you know, singles became a thing, and eventually albums became basically you needed to have three or four really, really solid singles, and the remaining six or eight songs could be complete crap, and it wouldn't matter because you're still making the money off of the main thing, which was the singles, and that's why kind of people made albums. The singles culture got popularized. Um, another reason is is the shuffle button, which didn't used to be a thing. You can't really shuffle an album. You can't very easily shuffle a cassette player. Once CD players came out and the shuffle button became introduced, and especially with iPods, it didn't really matter what song order the artist put the album in. If you could just press a button or, or, or a toggle and just kind of listen to it in whatever random way you want, and it completely disrupts the flow. So, um, and, and I'm going to get into that a little bit, but but... The order, the song order, and the flow of an album is is very intentional on the part of the artist, and that's just completely ruined with the shuffle button. So, MP3 players, in general, are another reason kind of why we get away from this idea of all of these different elements going to, into one work called the album, and, and one of them is is the album artwork itself, which as as a graphic designer is such an important aspect of of uh, I love music and I love graphic design so album artwork is such a perfect marriage of these two loves of mine uh, and mp3 players with their tiny screens and CD players with their just I mean I guess you have like the C the CD itself but usually with with a CD player you kind of leave that behind and just bring your bring your CD player and it's it's a little bit more portable so you end up being on the go with it and not seeing the the artwork the the free version of Spotify is kind of all of these horrible things at once plus the interruption of ads you know, especially if it's on your phone, the only option you have is to listen to it on shuffle with tiny album artwork and just not hearing it really the way that the, the artist intended for it to be played. So that's why I hate the free version of Spotify so much. I actually was talking to some friends recently and uh, we were talking about whether or not it was reasonable for me to hold off on listening to this album that I was looking forward to listening to. Uh, because though all of the songs were available by the artist on YouTube in a playlist, it would have played an ad every two or three videos, and the load times would have factored into it, so the spacing between the songs would not have been what he intended, and then there would have been some, like, Miracle Grow ad in the middle of his album. And, like, it just, it would have completely not been what he created, and I would wanted to wait until I had the opportunity to listen to it the way that he intended. So, they're, they're more than, the albums are more than just the music and the lyrics and the order of the songs and all this, but every aspect is carefully thought out, and I think the end result is necessarily more valuable when when the artist puts puts that kind of intention into all of the other elements. You know, if an if an artist really slaves over the lyrics but doesn't give a crap about the music, 
doesn't care about the the artwork or or you know if the artist really slaves over the music of it but puts really trite lyrics i think it's necessarily more valuable when all these pieces are working together beautifully there are a couple reasons why records uh, just just a few features of records that, that that prove that they have all these things perfectly so one of them is the lack of portability which seems like a drawback but what i think this does is that it forces you to be present to the album so not only can you not listen like you can't listen to a record on the bus or when you're working out or on on a plane it's usually in your home or in a building of, of some kind where you have to be sitting sitting there present to it and yes you could be like doing chores or whatever we often do that uh, but not only do you have to be present because of the way it has to be hooked up, but you also have to flip the record over, so you have to be near to it within a certain amount of time to be able to continue listening to the album. So it kind of keeps you on the short tether where you're just naturally more present to the music and to, and to what, what the artist created. The second, obviously, is song order, which I talked a little bit about, but again, you can't shuffle a record. Uh, you, you more or less drop the needle and listen to it straight through. Yes, technically you could listen to the sides out of order, and some people do that experimentally a little bit, but uh, usually if you're putting on a record, you put it on side A first. Um, and so I, th I think this one is really important. I want to talk about it a little bit because the song order and the spacing in between and the emotional flow of the album, all it, it is all very intentional on the part of the artist. Music elicits feelings <laughs> in people. It, it, it can make us nostalgic for things. It can make us contemplate certain things. And... You know, we, we experience this when we watch Lost on Hulu with ads. We'll see a scene that's like really beautiful or serene or really intense, and it'll start to fade out, but it cuts really quickly, and suddenly it's a cat litter ad, and it just completely <laughs> breaks. And, and like, it would be even be it would even be better if it just gave it one or two seconds of just a black screen and then the ad. Even that would be better. As someone who enjoys art, it sounds a lot like negative space. Like, the use of the negative space is just yes. as important as the elements that go into the actual picture itself. Exactly, exactly. If you, like, there are elements of art that are beautiful, but if you cram them all into the frame as many as you can, that doesn't just increase the beauty. That's, it's not that mathematical. That's not really how it works. So, so the spacing and letting certain songs breathe and letting certain songs be tighter because you want the emotion to be a little bit more energetic or something, that's all very intentional and that is preserved on a record, except for when the, the last song on side A and the first song on side B is admittedly one of the major, major, if not the most major drawback of a record, uh, in my, in my uh, opinion. So the third is album completeness. So the download era before we just had streaming, uh, for the most part, again, that was, that was also during a time when, when singles on the radio were your main consideration when making an album. And uh, so therefore... It would be pretty much you put out an album on iTunes and people would buy the three or four songs that were the singles and that's all you would really have from that from that album. Um, and obviously you had the option to get most of it, but societally speaking, that's what most people were doing. Uh, so a record obviously has all the songs. You can't delete a song off of a record. It's all there and uh, it forces you to keep it there and to, to honor that. Um, so artwork. There's a reason I brought this this specific record down. So this is a uh, 21 Pilots record, Blurry Face. If if you haven't heard it a million times already on the podcast, we we love 21 Pilots here. So uh, artwork is such a super 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 critical piece of an album. It's another opportunity for the artist to say something. There are pieces of the story on many albums that exist only in the artwork. 
So there might be this misconception that, you know, something expressed on an album is entirely contained within the music itself, and uh, there couldn't really be anything in the artwork that doesn't exist in the music, but that's not necessarily true. There are plenty of things on the on in the artwork oftentimes that that enhance it or that that just are nowhere else in in the whole overall work. So this record, uh, I wish this this is kind of the drawback of the podcast is that this is such a visual part of, of what I'm talking about. So blurry face, the concept behind this is that uh, this is kind of the dark side of, of the lead singer of 21 Pilots, Tyler Joseph. This is kind of his dark side, is represented by this character, Blurry Face, that he created so that he could sit his his struggles and his temptations and his problems across the table from him in a character and address him directly and kind of deal with him that way. Um, so this album artwork artwork is meant to represent his blurry face, our blurry face, whatever, all our insecurities, our, our problems, and, and all these things. So, so you'll notice that it's, that it's pretty well organized. It's in these, this grid of nine circles with all these different patterns neatly contained within each circle. And the idea behind it is that this is kind of the mask that we put on to present ourselves to the world as really well put together people who don't have problems, who don't have these struggles or insecurities, and just like we have our crap together. Uh, but if you dig a little bit deeper, as with any human being, if you dig a little bit deeper, you'll notice that it's a lot more chaotic than what you might think. So this is what's happening actually below the surface. So this is obviously indicative of all the, all the things that he struggles with, and you no longer see the order and the peace that he originally presents itself with. And, um, explain what's going on. Uh, what's up? Explain what's going on. So, so this right here, um, there's, there's a, uh, what would you call this? Like clear plastic? It's almost like a photo negative. Transparent film, yeah. Yeah, like kind of the thing that you put on overhead projectors. Yeah. Um, imprint of what looks to be a kind of disturbing face, uh, that goes in between the chaotic pattern and the cutout circles that give the pattern order. So in between those two things is this clear plastic thing that has a has a semi-transparent weird face on it. So this is blurry face. Mm. So this is all of the kind of pain and chaos and negativity of humanity of that person. And so the idea of this being it's physically its own separate thing is Tyler said that he liked the idea that you could take blurry face out. You could remove him so that you end up with something that, um, that doesn't have the red colors in it and uh the, the the red colors on the album kind of represent blurry face in that way so so uh the red only exists on that transparent sheet of sheet of paper so, so kind of talking about uh how there are aspects of the album and the meaning of the album that exist only in the artwork there's a there's a song on this album called goner where one of the lyrics is i've got two faces blurry's the one i'm not and I need your help to take him out. So he specifically loved the idea that you could take Blurry Face out of the album artwork. So once you understand all these things about the artwork, this itself becomes such a crucial part of this album and in his artistic vision for it and the meaning behind it all. There, there are two other things that I want to talk about records and what makes them the perfect medium. One of the, the, the fifth one is the physicality, specifically how fragile it is. It forces you to take care of it. So 
especially as as mp3 players get like more rugged and have all these cases and you can like drop your phone and like that's where your music is and that's it with a record the tiniest scratch could could ruin the thing forever and so you have to be gentle with it you have to take care of it and you have to be very intentional on in how you handle it and you have to respect it more or less which which kind of gives it more of a human quality than i typically tend to tend to give inanimate objects but um the physicality of, of records is kind of important for the same reason that uh the physicality of books are important for literature uh so you think about the comparison between books and kindles is kind of the same comparison to me between physical mediums and mp3 so i would say i would say kind of the same thing about cds but i specifically like obviously records more for for these reasons but uh the, the last reason i specifically like records is is the cost of them and this might seem again like a drawback because obviously they're more expensive the cheapest really you're going to see a record go for is 20 bucks what i love about this is it forces you to give a crap about what music you get. So when Spotify came out, everyone suddenly was walking around with literally millions of songs in their pocket at all times. And if you wanted this unlimited access to it, $10 a month really isn't something that a lot of people our age are thinking twice about. Um, especially in the Netflix era, it's, it's, it's basically the Netflix of music. And so with records, you are forced to think to yourself, What's an album I really care about right now that I really want to own that I that I really want to handle and look at, and it it just it just makes you give a crap about the music that you want to that you want to put into your collection. So, not only that, but uh, it also makes impulse purchases all the more significant uh, for that reason. So, kind of on the flip side of that, there's there's this record that I have uh, called No Shouts, No Calls by Electrolane. And the only reason I bought it is because I took one look at the album art and I said, I want that. I had never heard of them. I had never heard of the album and I just needed to have it. And it was probably somewhere in the $20 range. And you know, that was a little bit more of a high stakes decision. And it, and it made the fact that that, al that album's fantastic and I love it and I listen to it all the time. And it's all the more special to me because it was a bit of a sacrifice in order to, in order to get it. So, um, with a, with a record, you intentionally budget for this really large physical object that you've, that you've had your eye on and, and you've developed an interest in, and it allows, it allows you to sit there in person and listen to every single song in order while, while you can, and you can handle and look at the artwork while you're listening to it. So that's another thing that I love doing is like seeing the artwork while you're hearing the music just elevates it. And you can experience nearly every single thing that the artist put into the album at once in a way that you just can't with other mediums. Vinyl, it, it, it might have made a huge comeback because millennials had some sort of identity crisis and they needed something obscure and not very popular to, to find some quick individuality or something like that. But it did come back, I think, for that reason mainly, but it has stuck around beyond the phenomenon where hipsters are looking around and realizing that vinyl is no longer hipster. It's not a very special thing anymore. It doesn't make you unique. And yet it's still here. Why? Because it has refocused us back to the idea that albums are a single piece of work and that every single aspect that an artist puts into it is worth acknowledging and experiencing if you want to get the most out of your album and it makes the albums necessarily more valuable.
were mentioning like the singles phenomenon, like having radio hits was, you know, I mean, it's always been a, a goal for people to get on the radio, mm-hmm. but having that be the only goal for certain right. bands I kind never of thought about That's exactly I never, true. I never thought about how the change in technology would change the 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 art itself. And, and, can, and that was actually... Pinpoint that, though, in the albums themselves is what I wanted to say. Like, I you think can. of... Yeah, I mean, think about album art from, like, a 90s... Flash in the pan band. Oh, like, they're terrible. Like. Well, well, they're you just... do though because every time you take a picture with two buddies against a brick wall, it's always album cover, you know, and like there's this whole. All like, you need is just a shot of the band. Yeah. And then that's the entire story of the album. Like, what a missed opportunity. And I remember flipping through lyric books of CDs that I would get like that, where it was just mood photos of, of like, <laughs> the different members, and it was just nothing. It was, it was basically it was Instagram before Instagram. Yeah. That, that's what album covers used to be. Like, right? and, and you're absolutely right is that it changed the approach when artists began to realize, like, there's something that I want to say that no one's going to give a crap about if it doesn't get on the radio. So mm-hmm. I have to change my approach or else I right. need to find another job. People yep. don't realize that they have this idea in their head that, that famous bands, it's like their side gig that makes them millions of dollars. Like, no, this is their career. This is their livelihood. This is how they feed their family. And they have to answer to a market at a certain point. Mm-hmm. And when the market forces you know, to yeah. care about singles more than anything else, the artists have to follow or else they're out of a job. Like, mm-hmm. that's it. <laughs> so, Mark, you said that you started collecting like a decade ago. What made you start collecting? My brother got a record player, a turntable for me. Well, I remember hearing him uh, rant about how the physical grooves in it can capture more sound. Well, okay, he's so... Got, he's got all these ideas about so how it is. There is, there is this whole debate. Um, and when I say that the sound quality, I mean, you heard me say that I don't even necessarily... I yeah, don't necessarily yeah, believe that, that the that, sound quality is... And that was, that was really intriguing, because, like, what are you going to say? If I am just listening to an album to only hear the sound, my preferred method is a really high-quality MP3. Mm-hmm. If I'm only thinking about the sound mm-hmm. and not the whole experience, mm-hmm. because records have surface noise... They, you have to flip the side. Sometimes they have bumps and clicks and pops. The argument for records and their higher quality and sound is that, and I might be misunderstanding the science here, so if, if I am, um, forgive me, but so a, a, a groove in a record, this is a magnified version, it's just a V, and so each wall is, the, is either the left or the right channel. And so the needle, it, you know, the, the, wall of the, the walls of the grooves move in and out, mm. and the needle moves back and forth and bumps against them in a way that it's capturing the it has captured this the, the, mm. the sound form and be, it's it's kind of like if you think about digital photography and film physical film is mm. higher quality so to speak than a digital uh, than just a digital camera so a film camera is higher quality than a digital camera because the it's kind of got an infinite sharpness to it. It's, oh. a, it's not pixels. I was thinking about the the first thing I thought of was the debate between film and, digi- and digital. Right, right. So like the fact that yeah. it's physically a groove that's cut based on sound waves, it technically speaking has an infinite range of nuance. And for that reason, people say that people people prefer records because they say it sounds better to them. I, first of all, cannot tell the difference mm. and I have a hard time believing that anybody can but I mean 
I'm not going to sit here and say that everyone's anyone who says that records sound better is a liar. I'm not going to say that, but I just can't tell the difference. I can't imagine telling the difference. And because of that, if anything, I think records sound worse because they do have surface noise. So an MP3 is cleaner, and a 320 kilobytes per second MP3 is as good as any higher quality audio recording as far as my ears are concerned. Speakers are really important, too. Speakers are super important, obviously. Obviously, yeah. So your equipment is really important. Um, But just as far as the medium itself is concerned, I mean... You make me want to talk about video game box art. Dude, let's do it. But I I just just read an article this morning about how... It was was a thing... It was a piece on different profiles of women (laughs) in games especially ones that had been obscured or forgotten, and there was a cover artist for some of the Atari 2600 games who, I think it was Atari 2600, she drew the uh, cover art of several games, but they never sent her, they never let her play the game, so it was just totally her interpretation of what they described over the phone. And some of them became really famous, like the adventure one, I've probably seen it at some point, but it was just interesting that at, back in the day, it was a total, hmm. there was a total disconnect between what it looked like and what the graphics were, because it'd hmm. be like realistic or fantasy mm-hmm. um, storyboard art kind of thing, and then there would just be 8-bit graphics and hmm. beeps and boops, and then, but they at the time, you know, I guess it was more marketed towards kids or uh, Oh, I want I want that. I see it. You see it on the shelf, and I, go, I want whatever that is. And even though it doesn't have anything to do with, have then, you ever bought a book based on its cover, Justin? I don't think so. Oh yeah, that's actually something I wanted to say. Is I, can't I personally think "Don't judge a book by its cover" is a crap saying all around. I mean, you're first. This is coming from the guy who bought the vinyl based on the cover art. But what it, what I mean, <coughs> what I take it to mean is. If a co- if a cover is crap, that says absolutely nothing about the artistic integrity of the rest of the piece. That's that's how I hear it. And I oh see, yeah, I that see. is what it means. Colloquially, yeah. yeah and so the author is not the artist, but the album artist has a lot more say <coughs> in the art. Is that what you mean? Well, no, but I'm, I mean, in, in the societal artist? sense, I also think that the way people choose to present themselves is at least somewhat a reflection of their character, but that's a discussion for another time. Yeah. But, um, um, <laughs> but then, like, books, it's like fantasy, so you can have a... Well, okay, so the, the issue is you're assuming that the artist of the album is also designing the cover art album art and that might not have always been the case but now I don't think that's necessarily always the case in fact I'm, yeah. I'm sure that's not always the case right right I, but the ones the ones that you most admire and the ones that you think are important are the ones where the artist is structuring it in mm. concert with I the think music. an album is necessarily more valuable if the artist is right, more directly involved in, right I know that yeah I don't think I agree with that but it would be consistent with saying that the one the album arts that you think are worse would tend to be the ones mm-hmm. where no thought was put in to exactly it, correct correct yeah. so that'd be you know that'd be the equivalent of telling the artist of your video game what the game concept is and showing them no screenshots and telling them to just make it and then but it is interesting that the art will change over time based on the market needs you know you think about the Bioshock Infinite one where mm. it's just a guy with a gun because every you know almost any random um, <laughs> Any random one you pull out is going to be, you know, a dude with a gun. Well, it's a little unfair when you pull out Bioshock Infinite itself. Okay, so, you know, I don't know, just all the... Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not wrong, yeah. yeah. But that's just because 
It, it, it's something I want to. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we got right, it. Yeah. So we just pulled out but five games, but and like four out, four of them had a guy with a gun. But it wasn't like that back in the day. Um, so, and it's not like that for all games, but mm-hmm. it's just is there is you, a certain is a trend, which is this which is, is not, not to say that wasn't a trend back right. Then. So, so kind of when you when you said you disagreed that that uh, piece is necessarily more valuable if the artist <laughs> is more directly involved in all the aspects of creativity that go into it. Yeah. One thing I will say is, it could be true that an artist intentionally says what I want. One creative aspect of what I want to do with this album is hand off the artwork to someone else and not oh, be involved yeah. with it and see. Yeah. See what see what creative result happens. Yeah. If that's their intention, to me, that is them directly involved in the album artwork. Yeah. At least as far as their decision is well, concerned. Then, Maybe then, not then, the... then it could be. Um, well, I guess this is going a bit outside of what you're saying. But then there are there are some things that have been received in a tradition that were n- intended by no single person, but have become you know fixtures of the th- so mm-hmm. like. Uh, when Caxton and annotates Mallory, that's the received version until like the lot of the mid mid twentieth century when they rediscover the Winchester manuscript and they can restore all of the original Mallory. But people grew up, you know, there are generations of Englishmen who grew up reading Caxton's notes and uh, edit of the Tales of King Arthur, and that became like the known work, and people appreciated it for what it was even though Mallory didn't intend it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, or, I mean, even think about, it's hard to think, you cannot think of the Bible now without thinking of chapter and verse, and those are a medieval edition. It's hard to think of a Bible without that structuring to it. So there, but, but then, that's a different, that's a different question. So I, 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 I want to say that there can be value in accidental... They guess they guess they wouldn't be collaborations. Is accidental um, mixing of significances to a. I think. Well, I think Mark and correct me if I'm wrong. You weren't saying more necessarily more valuable in comparison with what you're saying, Justin, which is oh, I things, saw I took it to me. Yeah, coming together in this extraordinary. Oh no no no! Way. I'm not saying. You I'm saying, saying. Let's say. It, the multiverse example in in universe one you had an artist that only put thought into the music and lyrics and in universe two you have the same artist working on the same project and he decides to also put thought into the album artwork mm-hmm. universe two album is necessarily more valuable oh than universe i still disagree one really yeah really yeah because you could put thought into something and it could be total crap well yeah and i don't i don't necessarily mean that just the fact that they put thought into it is what gives it value i th- oh. i think that it is Maybe I'll revise my statement to. I think there's more. I think there's more artistic value in. In having being, like the collaboration between all the elements. In being intentional. Mm-hmm. I I think that if I think about two artists or, or 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 the same artist in two different universes, and in one instance, he gives a crap about the artwork, and in another, he doesn't give a crap about the artwork. I think the first one, is putting more artistic value into his product. But is your argument argument saying that it could still be possible that the end result from the second artist might be better on accident because the first artist might intentionally come up with something that's garbage, is what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, well, I don't have a problem with that here's necessarily. Another, here's but. another scenario. Universe 1, the song of Blurry Face, the songs of Blurry Face and all the music and the lyrics are, are the same mm-hmm. as they are in, in Universe 2. 
but in universe one, someone other than Tyler Joseph designed the art and the cover and put all the thought into it. Yet Tyler Joseph had nothing to do with it, but the guy got the album so well that he or she. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Uh, it was a he, by the way. Okay. <laughs> you didn't have to air quote she. Uh... <laughs> anyway, so that the other guy got the, the artwork. He got it so well that it turned out to be exactly what it is in the real world. Mm -hmm. And then in Universe 2, this alternate universe, Tyler Joseph draws something horrific. Or how about just like a scribble? He just draws a scribble. So he's I like, think ah, it's blurry. Blah. So so when, so then he's then, not necessarily doing the art though. He's then to me, okay. It. So he commissions it. He commissions it to and that's uh, crap. And it turns out to be crap, and it has nothing to do with the lyrics or the theme. So then I think you have to ask the question of what do we mean when we say necessarily more valuable? Because yes. there's a difference between the end product being being good from a more general consensus like, that's good perspective, versus I, I think there's integrity <clears throat> oh, to an artist being involved in it reg like, regardless of the end result. Like, um, I think there's value... I have a lot of respect for independent artists, even though a lot of them end up being crap because producers are really good at their job in helping an artist hone their sound and figure out what they want to do with an album. But I think there is there is something to be said about one person having 100% control over something that, that is expressing something within them and that being a more genuine expression even if the more genuine expression ends up being crap in a in a general societal sense so um, there's something about the authenticity of there's something about the authenticity of the fact that the artist is that connected to all these elements that that so, I think there yeah. is inherent. Well, there's maybe not inherent. Like, there's something there's... like that in games where you have the one guy who spends five years making Stardew Valley, or two guys making Fez, and and I don't necessarily mean that if it's a team of people or if it's someone who didn't write the music making the album <coughs> that there's something wrong with that, but rather that you can there's still you can still commission a whole team of you can still commission a whole team of disconnected people to make something very intentional connected to the music. Mm -hmm. Or you could still very intentionally say, I think this album needs a piece of art that I have nothing to do with, and I'm interested to see what comes out of that. Mm -hmm. To yeah, me, that's still an like intention. writers have illustrators. Mm -hmm. To me, there's a di what I'm talking about isn't necessarily a, uh, people disconnected from the music contributing to other aspects of the album. I'm more talking about there being no thought whatsoever put into yeah. a place where there is an opportunity to put some thought. Right, so let me give you the next... Uh... Suppose in Universe A, Tyler Joseph did what he did mm -hmm. and commissions things and puts thought into it, and this is what you get. Yeah. And then in Universe B, he puts no thought into connecting anything, mm -hmm. and just by random accident... That same thing get. happens? You get the exact same thing. I think... Which the, one's better? A. I think... Even though the product is identical. Correct. You because think product, I think that... So you do think the product becomes better because of the, the thought. The intentionality of the artist. See, this kind of connects to our transcendental what if I, discussion. What if I teleported to the other universe, told, uh, took that album, and switched it out with yours without telling you? Would you be, would you be mad? No, that would be kind of cool. I'd have a multiverse album. A gem but of it, my would, collection. it would be less valuable because it didn't have intentionality put in. No, but you're, put, you're, you're connecting the, the value at the end of the day, to the physical product, and I think the project overall transcends the physical product. I think it transcends the music, like the notes and the lyrics. 
and the artwork, all of it connected. Like we were talking about the whole being more than the sum of its parts. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I think where that ends up happening sometimes is in the artist's intentionality and what they're putting into it. I think that's part of what causes the whole to become greater than the sum of its parts. So when you talk about the universe A and B, where the end product is exactly the same, but in one of them he's intentional about it, and one of them he's not, I think there is added value in the artist having that intention. But and, it's and not a wanting, value, but it's not a value in the work. It's not a quantifiable value. Um, I, I never said it was quantifiable, and I wouldn't identify the work with the physical object. But then the burden is on you to say where the two works differ if in every respect they are the same. I think that's that doesn't come from just looking at it and that's where Mark means the project. Like that comes from right. the project, listening when I, to the artist so talk somehow, about so it. I think so what what I'm hearing is for you the album is inseparable from the artist's intention. I don't know if that's necessarily what I'm saying or I might be misunderstanding what you're saying. I think it's a piece of it, yeah. I think the project of an album, when you t- talk about Blurry Face as a project, is more than just the end result of the work. So when you think about the album as the music, the lyrics, the story, the packaging, the artwork, and all that, mm. I think... But it's also thought processes going on in Tyler Joseph's mind. It's story. intentionality, yeah. it's, his in, it's his influence and his inspiration that goes into it, and all these things uh, that... If- so you for, can't so quite you define. Say, so you would, if if I'm hearing you right, you would be telling me that in fact in universe A and B, it's impossible to have two albums be identical except that one was intended to be the way it was and the other wasn't because I, yeah because in order for an album, the fact that he didn't in universe B put everything together means that it's different in so many other ways. Mm-hmm. There so, was there was no collaboration with this artist, there was no collaboration with that artist. Yeah. I think of an example in my own taste where there's an artist who wrote the song and um, it's a really beautiful song and I would have loved to <laughs> Uh, respect it more than I do because now I know that he named it without knowing that the name is not an actual word and when questioned about it they're like is this something that you know you were thinking about or intending he's like oh no I didn't know it wasn't a word and like to me that just like I lose respect for the song itself because (laughs) it's it's like I I would have loved to dive into the lyrics and think that there was meaning there but if he doesn't even know that the title of the song is a word or not then why would I listen closely to what else he has to say? And your point, your point is that the intentionality matters. Yeah. Yes. Somehow. Like so, if he had intended that for that word to be something, like a portmanteau <coughs> of two different things that were meaningful to him and that you could mm-hmm. kind of you know separate in this world, that would have been fun for me to explore as someone who likes, you know, exploring lyrics. <laughs> and another example, Reliant K released an album called Forget and Not Slow Down album cover is like this trailer a picture of a trailer in like the middle of a desert or something like that the album is what the lead singer wrote after a really horrific breakup or something like that or a divorce maybe um and he locked himself in that actual trailer and wrote the entire album and came out with it and that was the art that was the artwork and like that's the end product now anyone could have sat down and thought 
I have this character in mind who just went through a divorce, and in my head he sat in this trailer and wrote all these songs, so I'm going to go take a picture of a trailer, and that'll be the significance of that artwork, and here are all the songs and the lyrics, and this is what I imagine he went through. And you could end up with literally the same exact album, artwork, lyrics, music, and everything. Mm -hmm. But in Th one of them... That's the scenario I'm giving you, yeah. Yeah. It's like... So, it, so in one of I would absolutely argue that the first one where he actually did go through that and that's what it was inspired by, I would absolutely argue that that, that album is more valuable. To I me, think, it's like... I, I feel like you're admiring that person, not so much the album. It's but like there's significance that's, br that's brought to the it's album. Like, it's like you're... It's there's like significance you're, that's brought to the album when it's framed in, or, or seen through the lens of the artist or framed and seen through their experience. When you know certain things about their back history and why they did the things that the way they did, mm -hmm. if Tyler Joseph didn't struggle with depression and he still came out with this album, it wouldn't really mean anything. You know what I mean? Like, like so there's, yeah. there's this atmosphere to it that's different because of who the artist is and what he's gone through. Like, to me, that's like going to a historic city and you could have, you could have someone build an exact stone-for-stone stone replica of a historic city and it just wouldn't be the same as the actual city where actual events occurred, where people, you know, spilled their blood on the cobblestones. Like, it could be the exact same layout and stonework and everything. And the history could be intangible to you now because you can't, you don't have a time machine. and Right. And so... But it's there. Yeah, you're looking at the same thing. If that's... Then oh, how would you feel about... If you, can, if you can put the artist's life and feelings and experience into the art, why couldn't you also put the listener's thoughts and experiences and feelings into the art too. Uh, no, I think you can. I think you absolutely can. Yeah. I think that's a different discussion. I don't think No, I don't. Exclusive. I don't I don't think I don't think it is. I think if if you want to identify the album with the artist's vision and work, then what would prevent you from also changing the album to be a different album when people listen to it? So that, you know, just like if you, if you have a copy of a book you read when you were little and then it has this nostalgic, important value because it's the first time you read this or that series or whatever, and then you look back on it, you, you remember it fondly and you want that, you want that specific book. Uh, so the book, you know, whatever the ar artist intended it to be, it is what it is, but then because you had experiences mm -hmm. with it, it becomes the aura. It has an aura yeah. of nostalgia, but it only has it for you. Right. But then... Um, I would think you'd have to accept that the way an album is received is just as much as part of the album as the way it was sent out by the by the artist. On an individual and level, does, yeah. And does that sit well with you or not? On an individual level, yes. It doesn't sit w well with me in thinking that an album's <clears throat> overall, like, just grand scale meaning could be changed by individual people's perceptions of it. I think that an album's meaning and significance can differ from person to person. I have no problem with that at all. So what and if it means something to the artist, but not to me? But, but listen, that... Okay, so to me there are two different things going on there. In the first place, if you compare it to a book, like, I can't read Dune and think that it's about fairy princesses. Like, yeah, it's there just are, there not... Are limits like, the, the artist's yeah. intention was just not to write a story about fairy princesses. Mm -hmm. So, like, there is a face value to an album that you have to take, and you can't just manipulate it to your own ends like Play-Doh. Insofar as it has lyrics, yeah. And lyrics have meanings. Well, Even also, I mean, there are other aspects of the album, like, this, this isn't a... This isn't an expression of Tyler Joseph's favorite color scheme. It's just not. Like, and that's not in the lyrics. 
but he's explained why the color and the design is what it is. Mm -hmm. um, so insofar as an artist can specifically ex like express and explain literally why certain things are the way that, they are. And you have, you have to operate within Julie's that. saying, because the, there's no way you could tell by looking right. at it that it Correct. wasn't yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. his favorite color. I mean, the lyrics but would be them explaining... That, there is a way to tell by looking at it that it's not in Comic Sans font. Mm -hmm. yeah. So my second point is just that you can add your own nostalgia to something without changing the thing itself. So, for example, the, the 21 Pilots <laughs> album previous to this one... Um, is one that's important to Mark and me for very different reasons, but there are a few songs on it that we listen to like at very specific points in a relationship, yeah. Oh, yeah. and everyone's, they remind yeah, us of that. Got songs and you know, like that, yeah. um, but to me, that doesn't change the song itself. It just adds another layer of meaning to it. That obviously the artist did not intend for us to be driving back from Boston listening to the song, but like <coughs> you know, that to me adds to the album rather than changes the album itself. Why isn't the artist's vision and composition process the same kind of thing? It adds a layer of meaning, but it doesn't change the work itself. I think, I mean, th the difference to me is that the artist's intention and composition formed the work itself, and the nostalgia kind of forms the memory of it to me. So, like, you have the formation of the product and then the reception of the product. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the formation is so much a part of the product that it has to be part of the reception, but the reception is done by a receptor, which is me, who can also add another layer of memory and experience to it. What if you found out that, just humor me, what if you found out that Tyler Joseph completely made up the story about his mental health issues, he has no mental health issues, and he, he farmed out the design, and he all that stuff about it was false. Mm -hmm. um, would the album lose value? Yes. To it, me, it would lose meaning. It, it would lose meaning, yeah. and I think it would lose value. Um, but even even though even though nothing about the actual even, music or the art or anything changes, everything about like couldn't the, you still interpret this? It says blurry face. Mm -hmm. It has that line in the lyric about removing blurry face. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's could, kind of like asking. Yeah, you could, yeah, you could read into it. it. It's kind yeah. of like asking, yeah. what if what if the moon landing never happened? Would the footage still be that captivating? That's what that's no, what it feels like. To no, me. no. What I mean, hmm. that's that's. That's. I think that's a different case. Why? And that seems Cause you're actually because you're taking this as close a to the feeling to me <coughs> of like kind of a deception almost of like oh you know I really thought that this person intended this in this special way and that carpet is pulled out from under me. I mean why, the why footage. Could, the footage is still the footage. Why wouldn't it be a testament to their creativity that they could create something so rich that it had meanings that even they weren't aware of? It's bigger than them. Yeah, I mean that's fine, and that's like. <laughs> Any fantasy author that creates his or her own world, like, has to do that, has to be that creative. And obviously, like, you know, Tolkien never went to an elf's <laughs> castle, yeah. you know? Yeah. But to me, it's like saying, you know, if a scandal breaks about a politician that you admire, you know, it's you just don't look at his stuff in the same way again. Like, you mm -hmm. can't listen to a speech... Mm -hmm. No, I, I, that no, you're right about that. You're right about that. It does cast an aura. There is something about the aura, but there's something that there's something. It would go from it would go from being nonfiction to fiction, and I think there is something. You could have the same amazing story, and if one of one one is fiction and one is nonfiction, there are different. There, uh, the story thing is tough. That, that's a really tough one because there are stories that I would not care about. 
unless they were true. And there's some stories that I, I would read if I thought Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. really happened. I would look at it completely differently. I don't think I can appreciate it. But that's I mean, exactly that's, my point, though. Yeah. So what we're saying is that you kind of you're presented with this through this lens <clears throat> yeah. of you know fiction or nonfiction or whatever you want to call it for whatever medium. And then if that is shattered for you, then it just necessarily changes the product in your own eyes. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. It's, I guess it, I don't know, does it depend on how the artist markets it? Like, I'm not sure. Like, what about this? Um, so now you listen to, I have, I have a very strong affinity for Chopin's piano pieces, but we have no definitive records of what he thought of what was composing, mm-hmm. what they, you know, what they meant to him. I, I don't, I don't really know, mm-hmm. but they're, they're splendid. They're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Could I go digging around his, you know, what if I discovered his notebook where he had the meaning of every single mm-hmm. passionate note in, you know, I don't know what, in, in the scherzos and the ballads and whatever, would it add more or less? I, I almost want to say no, because mm-hmm. it would just mm-hmm. be as great as it always was. Mm-hmm. And I'll just keep, and it'll be inexhaustible, and I'll never get sick of listening to the etudes because they're just my incredible. my answer is yeah. immediately just, yes. But I think that's so. Weird, but what if it, like well, like what if it was you know, what if it was as silly as uh, I had a dream and I wanted uh, I was trying to make this waltz sound like dancing next to a giraffe or something. I'd be like, mm-hmm. what? Like, what if the story was really weird and lame, mm-hmm. and then the art was just so. To me, that's to me that's difficult because they're. To me, that's difficult because music has a different power than lyrics do. To me, that's different for that reason. So, if Mm -hmm. I think of a similar example, we, my brother and I, were being interviewed, um, or sorry, no, we weren't being interviewed. We were uh, one of one of our songs was being reviewed by this website. They were like, "Oh, marching on" is this solemn ode about staying resolute in times of difficulty, and I laughed at it because I was like. No, it's about a kid dying in the forest. And the second that came out of my mouth, I thought, man, it would have been cool if it was about the other thing. You know what I mean? Like, so I thought to myself, like, if I had sat down and said, I'm going to write this song about staying, about endurance and just like really staring, staring down, you know, Mm. difficulty and, and rising above it and came out with the same exact song that actually exists, that's actually just about a kid dying in the forest, Mm -hmm. I think that would have been way cooler. But I... But the thing that would have changed is the author's experience and composition process, so it seems like what you're admiring and what became cooler was the author's composition process. And sometimes, like, sometimes you can't know that, sometimes it's... Most art, most pre-19th century art, you can't know any of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's fine. We're not saying that it has purely value because of that. Like, we're not saying that... that But you're saying it's so significant that you would... I'm saying it's absolutely significant, and I would not redact that at all. I'm saying saying it's significant, um, and it, in, in any case where you have the opportunity to to ex- to know that and to experience and understand what the artist put into it, I think you should take because I think it will con- contextualize it in a really important way. Contextualize is a really good way to put it. I think sometimes it can be worse, like for example you know, my example about the guy who wrote the song and yeah. didn't know that it wasn't a word. Yeah. Right. Um, so to me that took away some of the meaning and I kind of wish I didn't know that. But, but then again like one could it's say that I would song. be deceived. So maybe, maybe all I mean, maybe all I mean is I have so much respect for an artist who can really, really successfully pull off every single facet of an album, down to the artwork, 
and the yeah, meaning no, behind I, it. I, I and the that. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. When That's, that, I think, is really all I mean. Yeah. I think that's really all I mean. I think you mean a little more than that. I think you mean that when someone expresses their personality in a raw and genuine way that manages to translate their deepest, most profound feelings and experiences into a medium that transcends just saying it with Mm -hmm. normal words, somehow that translation of a personal character through a medium of art, especially if it's accompanied by suffering or trauma or some kind of um, starving artist narrative, that gives it something that it wouldn't have if it were just done for money or to get a top hit or I would agree I would I would I would say yes to everything except for the for the suffering and the, I don't think it necessarily has to be some negative inspiration I just think it has to be authentic I think the good word for it is just authenticity if if they authentically want to make an album about how happy they are all the time then I think do you really want to say that though do you really want to say that though because if someone really just liked bubblegum and they made a song that was like Amazing about bubblegum, you know, and, like, <laughs> and but, it, if they sin- but, it, but they sincerely meant it by your criteria, and it would be better than a song that was more finely crafted. I think I, I, I mean, it sounds kind of crazy, but I think an argument could be made that if if you can find a really authentic, creative, and genuine way to write a song about how much you love bubblegum, if that really is the case, I think that could artistically <coughs> trump someone writing a really garbage, ill-inspired, or uninspired, non-creative song about their divorce. Like, what about all the poetry that you write when you're in middle school and you really mean it because it's really your raw feelings? I mean, it doesn't... And then it's just garbage. But that doesn't make it good. That's, what, what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. No, but no. I think Mark is saying. No, he's saying that there's something more authentic and more um, genuine about it, like, when it's a good product... When it also corresponds to the artist himself. Maybe this is what I mean, because I've been saying I think it has, I think it's inherently more valuable, which translates to the end result being good. And I don't think that that's necessarily what I mean. Oh. I think that an artist being very intentional in as many aspects of their singular work as possible is a much more worthy pursuit than any less intentionality. Yeah. I think that's a more worthy pursuit. Regardless of whether or not the end result is any good, mm-hmm. I think it's a necessarily worthier pursuit. That I would agree with. Because I think that's what I've meant this entire time. Just your example, like mm-hmm. if somebody's writing a song just to get the money or fame or whatever, mm-hmm. like that to me is... Like you can crank out some good songs that way that are poppy and fun, and but it's just not as... That's so modern. I mean, that's so modern to say. Like, every almost every work of art before the 18th, 19th century was writ- was done by commission or for money or because of the patron. I mean, the thing... I the mean, thing you have about, to make money. Like, that's... I'm not saying... I mean, Pindar. Pindar wrote for patrons, and he's one of the best Greek lyricists there was. I mean, it's not... I don't only. think that the the existence of the patronage makes it impossible for the art to be genuine. I mean, sometimes artists are just that good. And yeah. whether or not they're being paid, they're I'm just saying. going to put out good yeah. work. I, I'm saying it, it almost doesn't matter if right. it's so like, money or because it's like... Their net worth soul, is in know. like the 20 to $40 million range kind of thing, you know what I mean? That doesn't necessarily <coughs> mean that what they're going to put out is uh, is driven by money and therefore 
less worthy of a pursuit. Some people, like Bono, U2, like they're the biggest band in the freaking world. Like, you know, some people just are going to be genuine and make genuinely good art regardless of what they're getting back for it because that's not the reason they're doing it. And the intention that they're putting behind the artwork and the music and the lyrics is not for the paycheck but for the for the authenticity of the art and what it's expressing. And I think that that is a worthier pursuit, necessarily. Really Which, pursuit. going back to the example of the bubblegum song versus the divorce that. song, I might even just change my stance altogether because <coughs> if a person really pours their heart and soul into a divorce song that ends up being crap, it's still them pouring their heart and soul into it. And I think that is as much a worthy pursuit as someone if if they're genu- if genuinely it's a ridiculous example but if genuinely bubblegum is like their passion mm-hmm. and they genuinely pour their heart into this song about bubblegum if the two artists are just equally pouring their heart into it i think that that's um they're in the same camp in in as far as this discussion is concerned mm-hmm. and then there's a third guy who 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 writes for money and his pursuit is is necessarily less worthy and so i've i've had this discussion about like club songs about like what people's hands are doing when they walk up in the club and it's just the pursuit cannot possibly be as worthy about uh, as as what, as what, Kyle what Morton it, what makes it a worthy pursuit is that it's done for no further end not necessarily for no further end not necessarily for no further end but that there is there is something being put into it that is genuine i think that is the genuineness that they want to do it that they want like to do it, and that, it that they think that think they think there's something um, valuable about putting art into the world. That there's there's a benefit to putting art into the so world. So like they believe in the product. They believe in the product. So it is obvious. Like I said, artists have a career and they have families to feed. No, mm-hmm. I mean they're they're not making blurry face without any of that in mind. They need to make something that's going to, to to give them a return, but they are good enough at what they do to where they can they can do that and make do that yeah, by okay, making something okay. that they believe in. I mean, I think of you know if you have a teacher who's you know tenured and kind of cruising, I I just can't imagine that a teacher who is in it for I mean I'm not going to say in it for the money, but there's a difference between a teacher who feels. In it for like, the summer vacation, maybe? Who feels... <laughs> yeah, well, that's not really a thing, but... Um, <laughs> a teacher who's in it because they love their subject and they love imparting, you know, this beautiful thing to a younger generation or who loves the kids and wants them to, you know, grow in all these different ways. Like, that to me is a better teacher than a teacher who knows their subject really, really well and can just be there on the clock. Yeah, I mean... I don't know if that makes sense. Well, no, it it makes... And and the example I think of is think of someone in my position selling selling the books that I sell. I believe in our mission, and I believe in the product, and I believe that what we're doing is going to be world-changing. I could end up selling 500 to to 500 schools by the end of, of the year. There could be another guy in my same exact situation who just wants to make money, doesn't care about the mission, doesn't care about the project, and sells 500 books by the end of the... or 500 to 500 schools by the end of the year. I think there is something necessarily more valuable... Not to toot my own horn, but necessarily more valuable to, to what I'm doing in that scenario. Because you believe in it. Because I believe in the product and because I'm, I'm putting that intentionality yeah. in it. Well, it's the opposite of believing in it. and So, like, sincerity, genuineness, authenticity, what's the opposite of that? I think the opposite is not... Well... I don't know if this is necessarily the opposite, but I think there are people who are creating art for the sake of of 
things that have nothing to do with the art, like the music or the fame or the notoriety. So they are not creating art so that they can put something more valuable out into the world. They're doing it for their own, for themselves. But, and, this, and but, Mark's this, but this wasn't... I thought you said that it wasn't that they're doing it for the sake of other things. No, well, in Mark's example, like he obviously wouldn't be selling books if it didn't give him a paycheck that he could use to survive and for right. his family. Yeah. Like, so no it's, not, it's not bad to want... Teaching you know, these other things, like, Mark needs the money so that right, he can right. provide No, I, get, I, I take that point, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I think... But say, like, say, say, I was, say I was selling porn magazines instead, and it was making mm-hmm. twice as much money. Like, I mean, the reality is, if you're not being intentional about the art and the product that you're putting out into the world as, as a musician... I don't know. I mean, like, what if you really... If you really want to do that example, what if someone uh, really genuinely believed that porn was a good thing? And that it helps people's marriages, and mm-hmm. that it helps people. If if you universally are declaring that anyone who genuinely and sincerely believes in what they're doing, there is an admirable feature of their act of pursuing that thing because they believe in it, then you'd have to admit that every time someone pursues an immoral thing because they think it's actually a good thing. Well, we're talking about music, which is usually morally neutral, unless it is something like pornographic like that. So yeah. I think that's a different. I don't think anyone is writing songs about strippers because they think that strippers are good for the world. Yeah. I think people are writing songs about strippers I'm because just, it I'm makes them money. Why, he's not, if, he's, the, if the universal principle that believing in a thing and pursuing it because you believe in it makes your pursuit of it good, if what you're maintaining is that someone's genuine pursuit of an of a goal, whatever the goal is, gives their pursuit a value that mm-hmm. is admirable insofar as they truly believe that what they're doing is worth doing, mm-hmm. whether it's moral, immoral. Um, I mean, think about... It, it, if, if, that's the ge- if that's the general principle, it seems to me like it would imply cases that are a bit silly to admire just because someone truly believes in it, you know, uh, because you can imagine all kinds of cases where the pursuit of something that's ultimately dumb, not even immoral, just dumb. You know, what if someone wanted to give... Like the bubblegum song. What if someone wanted... Yeah, like they really want... They really think bubblegum is important and it meant a lot to them. And they, they really... They, but they really believe it. And the sincerity, the genuineness, the authenticity... Why should I care about whether someone really cares I mean, about at, what they do? At it doesn't that make point, the product good though. Yeah, no, I don't know, and, and I, I'm already. I think I've already. I think we're be, we're past that. But then, maybe there is something about what they're actually pursuing having worth that gives the genuine pursuit of the artist of that work. It's me. Like maybe maybe what we're what we're figuring out is that the the work, the genius of Blurryface. The end product is what anchors the 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 composition history of it, mm-hmm. having that value of sincerity. Mm-hmm. And if that were a, if that were an album about, you know, if these were nine circles of different <laughs> flavors of bubble gum, he's like, oh, I really suffered about this, and I really, you know, sacrificed, and I made this thing, and I I gave up mm-hmm. a lot to do it, and it was really important. I really, really, really believe in it. It'd be like, well. Yes, you do. Gum. Yes, you do have the admir- the the somewhat admirable quality of wholeheartedly pursuing a thing, mm-hmm. 
but because the thing you made is garbage, yep. mm-hmm. there is no aura. Yeah, it's only. It's I, like I, the I work, totally agree with everything like you're saying. The aura sort of ensconces and, and it that's, and, and that's what I was saying is I admire when contextualizes it. I admire when an artist is able to pull off all those things at once, especially about something that matters. Uh, yeah, and if it, but if the thing doesn't matter, then the author's sincerity. Is doesn't, almost doesn't neither count. here nor there. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. count for much yeah. either. Yeah, I think it has value in, in in so far as authenticity is valuable, but that's pretty much it. If it's about bubblegum, okay, I think then, I agree with that. Yeah, so I think I think we agree. Okay. Yeah, okay. so so the reason why I use this as an example is because his his battles with suicide and the way that people relate to it and how common it is and how he hit the nail on the head about our yeah. masks and what lies underneath is so genuinely real. It's not bubblegum. <laughs> it's yeah. not bubblegum, and it's honest, and it's real, and he pulled it off well, and he put thought into every single piece. I think I can accept that as and a and I I agree with everything you said aura. about about the, the final thing. product I can't anchoring. Deny the thing. Yeah, yeah, I I um the anchoring thing makes sense of it. Yeah, that totally made sense. That totally it, made if sense. If there's a mismatch, then it's like I can't really admire you for pursuing something silly or immoral, but but there, there is at least at there's least the value of perseverance in, in the fact that you that you meant it me but it, it's kind of a fart but it's a kind of a, it's kind of a flat it's kind of a flat <laughs> meaning that only gains the importance of generating an aura around the art when the art itself is itself worthy of that profound and good yeah. and right well i valuable. mean to me it, it makes me think of you know what constitutes a great book like what goes into the canon of Western literature, mm-hmm. you know, and there are certain, you know, people debate about what actually makes a great book and what, why we choose the books that we do. Mm-hmm. But generally, you know, there are a few pillars that people use to benchmark those things. And, you know, one of them is, you know, the universal appeal. So many people right. can, you know, see. It's not going to be the so. And it's yeah, so it's not, it's not scalpel pure to one generation or one right. person or one right. class of people. So there's this universality to it and there's this humanity in it that makes it great that, you know, you can identify these themes. And to me, Blurry Face has that humanity that's very special. Um, and I think that's, you know, when Mark talks about being genuine, you know, you, you just, you can only be so genuine in a song about bubblegum. But when, right, you're, right. You're, when you're talking about your inner life, there's a lot deeper that you can go and he goes very deep. Um, so <laughs> I think there are <coughs> that I'm so glad you just said that. That makes sense. There's, makes you sense. can only be so genuine about bubblegum bubble because when I have this discussion with other people, you know, like, Oh, you know, what's, what's wrong with this song being really fun to dance to? There's value in that. It makes people happy. It makes people move. Sure. It like brings yeah. people some together. Values have, some values have depth. Right. Exactly. Right. Thank you. Yes, this is so what I've been looking... These are the words I've been looking for. That's how I feel. There's, a, there's only so... Yeah. that You can only be so genuine about walking up into a club. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but there's a limit. Yeah. And it is... It falls way like shorter why, than this. This is why... Um, <laughs> this is the reason... The thing we're talking about is the reason why only dramas will ever win Best Picture. Because mm. you can't get... There's only so but much you can you do know, with that's comedy. A great point. Comedy is thinner... So the value yeah. of the comic is very distinct from the value of the dramatic, but it's not as beauty has so much. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Wait, yeah, you can't do that. That's that makes right. sense. I think what I, I think what I'm concerned to preserve is the idea that just because someone meant something doesn't mean it's any good. It might not mean that their perseverance in pursuing that thing 
is all that interesting or important. Mm-hmm. What makes it important is if they man, you know, if Milton managed to write Paradise Lost while he's blind mm-hmm. and he has these passages about being enlightened by the Spirit. And right. Like, that's interesting. Right. Not like. You know, yeah. Really, so you know. the the value that I that I see in intentionality, regardless of the end product, is is not um, doesn't it, it is not the only value, and the final value of the end product is is not you know, it doesn't the, hit this the, max ceiling the, just because there's intentionality. Okay, okay. I think that might have been taking what you were saying that way, but instead, if you take it as the 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 value of the work, the album which is the more than the sum of its constituent parts, mm-hmm. validates or sanctions or anchors mm-hmm. the composition process that it mm-hmm. grew out of. And, I would say, the audience's reception of it, uh, as long as you subordinate the audience's reception and the composition to the work, I think I'm happy. So let's so, say yeah. let's let's say that say the so, sure. music, lyrics, artwork, all of that was ninety percent of this album, and then his intentionality. Well, you, you probably have to get rid of the percentage thing because then that would bump it up to the oh, if it has intentionality, it's a hundred percent. But that's what I'm saying. In yeah. the intentionality, uh, in in the intentionality and everything was ten percent of it, and so. It, let's say you had this album, you had this exact end product, but the artist didn't mean it. It would be a 90% awesome album. Let's say you had an artist who meant all the things that he wanted to make into this album, but he ended up with crap. He'd have a 10% awesome album. I'm saying that the intentionality can bring it to that next level, and without it, it might bring it down a bit. I don't think that the probably, intentionality you itself... You want to get away from the numbers thing, because you want a non-quantifiable... Yeah, and I'm... Yeah, I, I don't mean... I don't mean yeah. it... I, I was just kind of trying to come up with a quick example of the impact that I think intentionality yeah. has. I don't I think, think the impact think, that it has is fully on the end product. I think it... I think it does have an impact. What's interesting, too, is going back to your discussion about vinyl, like, your... The audience's reception of it is also, you know, is going to color <coughs> the enjoyment of the album. And, mm-hmm. You know, necessarily. I mean, you can't just have an album. I mean, think about cult classic movies that, without an audience rallying behind them for whatever reason, would just by themselves just suck. Like to your oh, point. That's interesting. Yeah, that's at a slightly different point that that is interesting to think about. I'm sorry. Did I just steamroll you? An idea. I'm sorry. Well, anyway, um, the well, audience reception does color it in some ways. That's a good saying. note to end things on. The audience's reception does color it in some way. I want to know what you were gonna say. Stop. Get your feet away from there. Uh, you said you had another analogy, or do you want to get? Oh, I did have an analogy. If you uh, <laughs> can, you take a picture of this, please. <laughs> Listeners, I wish you could see. <laughs> no, put your legs on can the table. Can this be the album art of our podcast? Can your yeah. legs be on the table, please? I can't get both your feet in. Wait, actually, here, hold on, hold on, hold on. Put your legs, <laughs> put your legs back on the table. Uh huh. And put blurry face up to your face. Oh, this is art. This is. What am I gonna give the nibbles to? It's like, Cranes? I don't know why I took so many pictures. Okay. <laughs> just couldn't stop. So what's your I analogy? Just, it was and then I, then I really do want to go to bed or I'm going to be too. miserable tomorrow. Can you wake up? Can you get up with the baby tomorrow? <laughs> yes. My Thank thought you. would be, if you have a word, in pick a font, it's just in a font, and then you have another word, the same word in the same font, and when you add, so like, okay, so take Blurry Faith, pretend the album is the, is the word. Mm-hmm. So there's one word here and one word here. And they're in the same font, but when you add intentionality, it gets bolded. 
So it's the same. It's not quantifiably different, but it is, and it's the same word, mm-hmm. but it somehow mm-hmm. is emphasized. It's more present. It's exactly. real. Yeah. And this one's still blurry face, yeah. but it's, it's you could recognize it. You'd be yeah. like, yeah, hey, it's the same album. It's the same word. Yep. But it's that's a real. That's a yeah. It's emboldened. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Good night. Gosh, stop. I was tasked by one of my. <laughs> uh, let me restart. I was tasked by I was gonna say one of my wife's bridesmaids, <laughs> but that <laughs> doesn't have the right. My first wife. My first wife's one of her bridesmaids. <laughs> one of her first bridesmaids <laughs> was getting married, and she wanted me to write Mad Libs inspired by her wedding to give to all the guests at the reception so they could do fun things while they were hangry and waiting around. So I sent them, I have my text messages here, I was tasked with the job exactly Saturday, September 29th, 6.17pm. I agreed. I sent them on Sunday, October 7th at 8.13am. And then... To my dismay, I learned that they were not used because someone forgot to print them. Um, plural noun. Strumpets. Strumpets. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Let's get a rhyme with crumpet in everyone. Color. Smeary brown. Scarlet. Chartreuse. Chartreuse. Scarlet. How come you said the prettiest one? Celebrity. Scarlet Joyce. I know. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, Richard Simmons. Okay. <laughs> Body part. Can you do grandma's left toe, or does it have to be... Want to try it? It could be really funny. That's Type true. of furniture. Empty crate. Empty crate. Plural noun. Pokemon Hopes hearts. and dreams. I'll put hopes for the first one and dreams for the second one. <laughs> I hope this is funny. Because if it's I not, dream this is funny. Uh, number. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you insist? <laughs> Seven. Uh, a superlative adjective. Um, boy, I totally know what this is. The so, crotchet <laughs> So, okay, can explain for all those. Not for me, but for, if there are any kids listening... What that means. Superlatives describe a degree in comparison, so... The most, the least... Like the something-ist. Gotcha. The most dumbest. Yes. Right. Got it. Verb? Strut. Spelunking. Ooh. I like them both. Rock, paper, scissors. Damn it. Spelunking it is. Adverb? Mightily. Adjective. Godlike. When are you gonna do an onomatopoeia? When are you when are you gonna do an interrobang? That's punctuation. Okay. Designing their first home. <laughs> it was a classic clash of tastes. She wanted Mexican strumpets in the kitchen. <laughs> 
bright scarlet walls in the dining room. He wanted pictures of Richard Simmons's grandma's left toe on every wall in the house. <laughs> She wanted dark wood furniture, but he wanted their empty crate to be made entirely out of conjoined Coke bottles. It's a thing that he does. He also wanted <laughs> He also wanted to display his collection of 17th century hopes, but she thought it would look better in the basement. Oh. The only thing they seemed to agree on were the number of dreams to request on their registry. Where would they put all seven of them? They had <laughs> the crotchiest idea. <laughs> but they were prepared to spelunk before giving up their preferences. So they mightily came up with a godlike compromise. <laughs> Patrick would decorate the doghouse in whatever style he wanted, and Lisette would do the rest. Aww. You make it sound like Ragnarok happened. <laughs> like they just started over. They had a mighty idea. <laughs> a mighty godlike idea. A mighty idea. <laughs> Mexican strumpets in the kitchen. <laughs> that like that could not. That's so sad. Richard Simmons's grandma's left toe. <laughs> <laughs> Portraits of it. There's no way that one can be topped. Or know, if right. it can be topped, I can't wait. Okay. Oh my gosh. Noun. Lymph node. Lymph node. Number? No. Seven. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> it has to be seven. How about six, six, six? Oh. Okay, number. see. N- another number? Nope. Adjective. Someone's in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Celebratory. Celebratory? Yes. You stress it weird. <laughs> Family member. Um, How about Forrester? Forrester. Yeah. Let's do it, yeah. <clears throat> Adverb. Adverb? Infinitely. That's good. This could be amazing. Verb. Oh, oh, what was the verb that we wanted to use last time? Strut? Prance. Let's oh. do strut. Strut. Plural noun. Birds. Jaguars. Oh. Coconuts. Oh, you know what? We're going to need a plural animal, so I'll do jaguars. Perfect. Coconuts. Coconut bras. Ooh. I like those. Adjective. <laughs> um, Sleazy. Ah, what yeah. made you think of that? <laughs> Exclamation. Ah! No. <laughs> is, that, is that what you do when you see one? <laughs> ah! <laughs> ah, coconut bra. <laughs> How about, ah, coconut bra. Zippity <laughs> doo Sure. Ah, coconut bra. Verb, an ED verb. Flopped. Beverage. Uh, snake juice. Coconut water. Ooh. <laughs> this could be gross. Uh, type of clothing. <laughs> Gee, I wonder. <laughs> Seven. Jorts. Jorts. Where have you been this whole time? Oh my gosh. What was that? My body. What's your body? That was my body. I thought it was a furnace. Okay, that'll be the noun. Adjective? Wait, what's the noun? My body. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the question? Adjective. Horrid. Adverb? Horishly. Horishly? Horishly? Horish? Horishly? Horishly. All right. Sharing the proposal story. 
Once upon a lymph node, Lisette and Patrick got tired of telling their proposal story for the 666th time. Patrick wasn't just annoyed, he was positively celebratory. <laughs> as soon as Forrester was out of earshot, he fumed infinitely. If someone asks me to tell that story one more time, I'm going to strut my coconut bras right out the window! <laughs> That's when Lisette knew he had become unreasonably sleazy. <laughs> she had to do something fast. Her mind raced like a chariot drawn by overly caffeinated jaguars. Wow. Ah, coconut bra, she shouted. Patrick flopped in surprise, spilling his snake juice all over his jorts. <laughs> he is sleazy. <laughs> then she shared her brilliant, my body of inspiration. <laughs> would tell a new and improved story every time. Nobody would notice it wasn't true as long as it was horrid. Patrick nodded horishly. It was the perfect crime. That really painted a picture of Patrick that I didn't want to see. I, he's like jumping out of a window with a coconut bra spilling <laughs> snake juice on his jorts. That's basically the opposite of that. And what, what, I love, what I love is that uh, Lisette decided that he finally had become too sleazy. Like, he's been, he's been sleazy to a point. He was ex acceptable. Up till now, I get it. She, like, she gets, yeah. it's, it's an acceptable if not enjoyable level of sleaze, but this is just too far. I feel like we have to note that Mark likes coconut bras, but Justin likes seashell bras. Seashell? So. Hmm. I do not like coconut bras. Oh, because of uh, Ariel? Yeah. <laughs> well, Ariel's yes. hot, but she's also a cartoon. Do you yeah. want to talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> Today's topic, are you attracted to cartoon characters? <laughs> Are you attracted to underage cartoon characters? Oh. It's a very, very short discussion. The answer is yes. Oh. Mulan oh. versus Ariel. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, shoot. I did not hear the part where you said underage. <laughs> it just clicked in my brain, and I was like, wow. That is a terrible thing to agree with. Wow. Thank goodness. I was like, this is an acceptable joke to make. No, and then I heard it. That, well, okay. I'm glad you heard it. At some point. At some point. Oh, In JavaScript, that's, that's called asynchronous behavior. What happened? What's going to happen to me? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Ten point power short. <laughs> you have to cut that out. Uh, adjective. <laughs> Fuzzy. I was gonna say muddy or something, yeah. Noun. Slop. I was thinking slop! I was about right. to say it! <laughs> Alright, verb. And I, High ing, five. ing verb. Mm. High fiving. Mm. Okay, put fi hiving. That's verb. Good job, idiot. Verb. It, I did what? Not. ED verb? Yeah. Conf does, does. Confronted? That's what I was gonna say. No, it wasn't. Yeah. Confronted? Yeah, because he started to say something like cun. Oh, maybe that's how I got it. Yeah. Type of transportation. Pogo stick. Awesome. <laughs> Famous song. There's actually a reason why I say that. Elmo's World. <laughs> so, really quickly, there's a startup in San Francisco that is going to have rideshare pogo sticks oh. in five major cities. What is kind that of mean? No, they're not. Yep. 100% real. Like, share but, but, okay, maybe rideshare is not the right term, but you know how you, like, you can pay for a bike and park it somewhere and then someone else can use it and, like, take it somewhere, like, how they're just, like, rent-a-bikes in a bunch of different cities? Pogo sticks. 
That's nonsense. That's I know. <laughs> it's complete nonsense. In crowded areas. Who thinks this is a good idea? And it's real. It's 100% real. It's real. It, I guarantee you it's real. They had to write of a Business clothing. Insider article set proving, I know everyone thinks this is a joke, but we are actually oh, doing I'm this. I'm looking it up. It was written on April 1st. <laughs> <laughs> Type of clothing. Hate you all. Jorts. No. Seashell, um, bro. Seashell, bro. <laughs> Speedo. Speedo. Seashell Speedo. That is impossible. I guess if you had glue. Like a con. I don't want to think. I'm not. A conch would do it. <laughs> Stop saying conch. <laughs> okay, I'm going to need more silence to splice that, and then you can say adverb. I'm... <laughs> Starfish. Stop. <laughs> you know, when you upload the episode, you can select an option where it says explicit content. Adverb. I'm just. <laughs> Drunkenly. Adjective. Foam capped. Wow. What does that mean? Just with foam on it? Foam on top. Okay. <laughs> foam on it. <laughs> what? But I did say that kind of verb. Um, Proposed. Spanked. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? Spanked is good. Because I, I was thinking of both ideas at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Body part. Oh, if this goes along with spanked. And I was thinking left I put buttock. proposed. I put proposed. Proposed. Okay. Oh. I, I would spank be funnier? I'll pick whichever one's funnier at the moment. Earlobe. Number. Seven. Don't say Um, one. Two. Verb, an ED verb. I put one. <laughs> Pranked. <laughs> That's a good one. Nice. <laughs> Noun. Whale. Conk. <laughs> Conk. <laughs> Other body part. Um, nipple. Nipple. <laughs> On a man. Don't be gross. Man nipple. <laughs> man nipple. <laughs> man, man nipple. Man's nipple. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it talks about Animal. Lisette's man's nipple. <laughs> That's a man's nipple. Okay, yeah, you can put the mute on. Animal. Headlights. Baboon. Ew. <laughs> Headlights? Babar. Babar. Babar the elephant. Babar the elephant. Okay. Why did I just say it after you like it was my idea? <laughs> <laughs> you mansplained it. Yeah, I man commandeered. Yeah. That's the moment she knew. Oh. It was a wonderfully... Fuzzy day in sunny California. Lisette sat outside by her favorite slop, daydreaming <laughs> about catechetics and high-fiving Patrick. To her delight, but not surprise, her wish was granted when suddenly Patrick confronted out of the sky in a rocket-propelled pogo stick. As he landed, he serenaded her with an acapella version of Elmo's World, <laughs> gracefully doffing his Speedo, as was the Swiss custom. Gracefully what? His Speedo? 
<laughs> she smiled drunkenly. <laughs> Say, said Patrick, you look positively foam-capped. I would have said radiant or glowing, but I'll save those for when you're really mad at me. Lisette proposed affectionately. <laughs> she knew, in the depths of her earlobe, that this was the man who would raise her one future culturally diverse children. <laughs> you picked the only wrong answer. <laughs> Patrick pranked in for a kiss. <laughs> gotcha! Gave her a whale to put in her hair. <laughs> And offered her his man's nipple as he escorted her <laughs> into the pogo stick. As they flew off into the sunset, he wrapped a finely woven Babar the Elephant coat about her shoulders like the gentleman he was. <laughs> there was only one! I hate that that was so funny! I'm going to have to publish that. Yeah, you can edit parts of it. Oh, not enough. Oh, that was amazing.